I'm Kevin Coleman at the boys underscore 22. I'm Jeff Bell at for whom day bell tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale. I do this day in and day out oh. all night long. Yeah. This is all I think about. This is all I care about. Y'all all I care about. Let's go, man. It's here. We televised. So you know we got to show out. Yeah. They told the jump. So you know we got to put them to sleep. Yeah. Let's go, man. Let's go. Don't play. Let's go. We do this every day. We work too hard. Day in and day like I told y'all. They'll do what we do. They'll do what we do. They never do what we did. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Debbie Royale. And on today's episode, we got a little fun one for you. We are going micro niche IDP extravaganza, and we're just going to be talking about IDP today, going through it, talking about it, and uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, we got Chris Rankings. He's one of the top experts I know in IDP, and I'm on I know. Uh, but we're first, we are going to get to a question that we had uh, from one of our, our patrons, Todd Vincent, really good guy. And he had it from the last show. He wanted to touch on it. And, and the question was, do you think the growth of Debbie and C2C, so campus scan format, those of you that don't know uh, what that is, that's uh, where you have an NFL side and a college side, has created an even bigger echo chamber when it comes to these draft prospects? And I think it was a fantastic question, one of the best ones we've had. Um, and I think we talked about it a little bit in our, in our Discord. But overall, like the question itself, Christian, what do you think about it? It's, I mean, it's very interesting, and there's a reason we wrote this down and came back to it. Uh, and, you know, if you guys watched the show last week, I, I actually responded to Todd on YouTube and told him that we would do this this week uh, and kind of discuss this. But uh, overall, I think the answer is yes. Now, to what level that answer is yes, I, I think is still kind of TBD. I think the echo chamber-ness of Dynasty is like that still isn't fully formed in my opinion. Like I still think that there's enough unique takes out there enough different eyes on things. I think with Debbie and C2C, I think uh, I might get us in trouble. I think there are a lot of people who um, they aren't as confident in their evaluations on this side of things still, you know, like even I, when I'm watching these freshmen, like that really Brown, uh, I tweeted at you, Kevin, Uh I was worried because I was like, I really like Relique Brown. And I do like I watch prospects. I've done this for a few years and I'm like second guessing myself on this kid because he's small and he might not hit analytical thing. I don't know. Uh, so I think that there's still enough people like kind of questioning themselves to where once we have more established Debbie C2C and as this game grows, I think that it will develop into something similar to what we have in, in redraft fantasy and um, you know, this is a very complex question that could probably take up the whole show. Jeff, what do you think on this? I think it ultimately comes down to part of it's the willingness to be wrong and the willingness to be loud wrong. And, and I think that there's, I don't know, philosophically, we as humans go for the comfort of the crowd. And I think that we're kind of wired that way. 
you know, when you were to drop an analysis, drop a take, especially on somewhere like Twitter, that's very public or other areas that you might be operating in social media. That's very public. You know, you're putting it out there and you know, you are, you're opening yourself up. So we naturally will be guarded against those type of things when, when, you know, it, it doesn't, not everybody has Christian's bravery to just go out there and drop a take or whatever they're saying. I think that, I think the three of us do a pretty good job of that in general in the space. And we kind of allow us to have our takes and yeah, what, what comes from it will come from it. Uh, but ultimately a lot of Debbie is weighing that balance on being safe within the crowd being safe on prospects and you know we're naturally going to defer to people smarter than us especially when it comes to you know who's at alabama who's at ohio state we know that those schools are recruiting great athletes a lot of the question comes down to what players can turn themselves into and and you know you see a guy you mentioned riley brown and who knows what he's going to be able to do with his body over the next six months, much less as over the next three years of his college career. And you see players that come in and, and they are just completely different in a year or two after they get in there. And, you know, the same thing can happen in the NFL as well. You know, I, I go back to, I've still mentioned Kyron Williams as a cautionary tale where that's a guy that we as the Debbie community should have sniffed that out. And that's the reality of it is. And, and, but we, you see the Notre Dame uniform, you see the production. And I think that that's one of those things that, Nobody in the room was willing to stand up and say, hey, this guy's smaller than you'd like to see. This guy's probably slower than what we realize. And yeah, maybe there's a little bit of helmet scouting going on here. There's a little bit of production going on here. Some of the production carries over, though, into the draft analysis because some people, that's how they build their models. They, they only go on college production or they they solely they try to focus really hard on those type of things but you know christian you mentioned if a player's not meeting analytical thresholds not meeting baselines that you're looking for in the position you kind of have to strike them out of it and and it, the other thing that's very difficult especially in the devi space going into the draft we don't know what these measurements are for these guys you you have these guys that we're looking at for 23 class and, you know, Rondell Moore is a cautionary tale. He's two inches shorter than what you you thought. And we've seen a couple guys that uh, – Jalen Tolbert's a guy that, in my mind, like I watch him in college, and I think, like, at his level that he's playing at, maybe there's some Cortland Sutton there because who he's going against, he's not exactly going against Sauce Gardner, a six-foot-four corner. That's going to be a shutdown corner in the NFL. He's going against smaller guys too. And if, if we're inching everybody up, and then that's what we're seeing on the tape, then you get a measurement and this guy's a six foot guy and, and it's just a completely different conversation on what type of player he could potentially be at the next level. And so I think that that puts a lot of difficulty into it on being willing to go out there and being willing to say something different and being open to those ideas. When you see somebody that says something different, it's just such a, you know, it, a lot of what happens Things get shared in group chats. Things get shared and, and say, what is what is this guy talking about? And then, then you know, the, the horde comes in and everybody comes rolling in on it. And, you know, that that just kind of enforces that mentality of not wanting to go out there and, and say those type of things. Just be open to different ideas. And I do think that we need to take lessons from the past and, and apply them. And like I'm, I said, Kyron Williams is a fantastic lesson. And I think that there are probably guys, Riley Brown scares me because we – is he going to be big enough? And is he going to project to really anything? Yeah. 
I think it's also to a point like the one of the things I've been changing my my prospects to is like, hey, if I think this guy is good, but he's going to be just relevant for college, I put C2C on there. That's what I did with Lily Brown. I, I don't have a Debbie outlook yet on him because I don't know what <laughs> I don't know about his size. So I'm not going to lie to anybody and say, oh, Debbie, whatever for Lily Brown. I think mean, he's a C2C asset to me right now. Like and and just know that going in. And I had a couple of people reach out to me and said. Oh, so you wouldn't take him in the Debbie draft? And I said, no, I wouldn't take him in the Debbie draft. The risk is too high for a guy like that. Like I would take him in a C2C draft. Um, and I think that's on us as analysts. We got to be better. And I think, um, and I'm, and I definitely, it's part of me too, is like, hey, you got to make sure that you know what you're talking about here. Um, I, I do think though, the echo chamber is real because we've seen it. Remember, wasn't Traylon Burks going to be wide receiver one, four, three, forty in, in, in September and October? People talked about that in the Debbie space. And then these people that don't know these prospects and like, it is hard for me to understand people that don't watch college football because I love college football, but there are so many people that don't watch college football is that when they hear these takes, they stick with them. And I remember people saying, Oh, okay. And they write them down. They know these guys. And then by the time January comes around, people are still using those takes and they haven't adjusted. And I think that is, I think the problem that we're running into with the Debbie community um, and just Debbie analysts at a whole, just the Debbie format is like, you can't stick with these. It has to be kind of like redraft where you have to make adjustments and you have to make adjustments and you have to make adjustments. And it's not against your, I don't know. I don't want anybody, the process that you created or whatever thing you create. It's, it's, it's that these things are very fast, especially in the Debbie spot. And I think that you have to make adjustments as you go. Like Jalen Knighton is another good example from Miami. I love Knighton. These guys know I like Knighton because I've liked Knighton since his freshman year. I was really high on Knighton. He's 190 pounds. So my evaluation of Knighton has definitely changed because I know how the NFL looks at it to where I think Knighton is a very, very good C2C back. But I don't, as a Debbie guy, I would not touch him in a Debbie draft if I was personally drafting. Um, and I think those are things that we have to realize are out there. And I think you have to make adjustments. And if you don't make adjustments, you have some problems. But I do think that the top guys, the higher level guys got to be better at who they, they plug. And that's just, that's on me too. I think you have to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm proud to say that as a show, we haven't plugged Kyron. We told you stay away from Kyron Williams. Uh, there's a lot of guys that we have told you to stay away from that we've been hitting. And I think that's because we have adjusted and we're okay being wrong. Like I'm okay getting things wrong. So are these guys. Jeff's wrong all the time. So that's, that's just how you have to do it, right? Well, it's that willingness to be wrong, but it's also, you mentioned, yeah, you've got to adjust. And it seems like there's, it's almost, I don't know if it's the, like the machoism of the space or something, but like the, the, you have to, it's like almost like your first take has to be right. And, you know, we're, we're constantly taking in new information. Things are changing, you know, week to week, the game's changing, how players performing, changing, their role is changing. They are changing their body. They're changing their testing they're changing everything and so we just can't you can't have that mentality of saying well Traylon Burks was my number one a year ago and and there's just no way I can change off that with him being my number one if you take more information and you're able to watch more games you're able to watch more film you you learn a little bit more about the analytics side whatever it might be that changes information you've got to be willing to move with that change yeah, take take lock on a Debbie side of things or on any prospect evaluation is like the worst possible thing you can do. Uh, you know, I, I know I got accused of take lock with a Ronald Jones take a couple years ago. Uh, you know, I, I stuck to my guns and I said, Ronald Jones is good. And then he was good and then he was bad. And so now, you know, I'm looking <laughs> back at that process and I'm saying, well, I still like that. I feel like I can say they're ex like, 
external factors that that kind of contributed to that but on the college side it's when you are gaining more information that you can change your opinions and that's okay you need to like we're saying here you you have to be able to adapt and that that is important and i think that that alone will kind of keep an echo chamber at bay for a little bit and we'll be able to kind of do better like like kevin said we'll be able to do better i think and the last point i'll bring up is college changes so much and it's a lot different than nfl and uh, like i mean nfl changes fast i mean we see running back values go away and all that stuff but college is drastically man look at what happened to dju and spencer rattler i mean these are guys that were supposed to be top two quarterbacks of their class and they and they're at different one's at a different school the other one's fighting for his job from a true freshman and these are guys that said they were can't miss prospects and i was on the dju train too i said hey you, you draft him he's a first round pick um but I think that sometimes like people that are just getting into Debbie now, I've seen a ton of people get into Debbie recently, which is great. I love that. And analysts too. But I think there's so much to learn. You cannot just jump in and be a Debbie analyst. It takes a long time. Like this is, you know, as an analyst, this is my second year. I've been playing Debbie for a long time. I mean, analyst is different. And just and knowing how to tell prospects and do other things, it takes reps. And it's just like anything. You cannot just jump into it. Redraft, I feel like, is easier because we've all kind of played redraft. It's pretty simple in terms of like the concepts and everything there. Debbie is a beast. C2C is even more of a beast. Um, but if you're going to do those things, you got to follow people that have taken reps and we're going to take lumps. Uh, but I think that that's also like, you have to stay on it. Like we, we joke all the time, like the player movement, are we ready for college? All the different changes. Like it's a real thing. It, it's an everyday thing. You got to know these guys. All right, so thank you for the question, Todd. And anybody else has questions, you can always find us there. We're going to jump into the IDP. And IDP is something that I, I'm not, you know, we want to definitely get into the IDP crowd. I'm definitely not there. I don't play any IDP leagues, but I do respect guys. I follow guys play IDP. I know these guys play in IDP leagues. So Christian's going to kind of tell us what IDP is about, I guess, or Jeff, or whoever wants to jump in. And just essentially kind of go through some of our rankings for the rookies. Yeah, so Jeff, we'll hit on your next paragraph in here. Uh, but just a little bit of background. So IDP, obviously individual defensive players. Um, so you're you're looking at, you know, a couple linebackers, a couple defensive linemen, and then a couple DBs, depending on your structure. There are a ton of different ways to play IDP. Um, there are a ton of different scoring systems. I know uh, someone, oh, I should, Jordan? Was it Jordan Reigns that kind of created the one, two, three scoring? Yeah. Yes. Um, that has become very popular in the IDP space. I think I'm in two IDP leagues, and I think both of them are using some form of that that scoring system. But essentially what IDP is, is it, it highly values linebackers. Um, Jeff, tag in. What is the ID? What is the one, two, three scoring system? This I don't recall off the top of my head. I We should absolutely look that up. Yeah, so it, it essentially what it does is it, I think it balances out the value of defensive players versus offensive players, because in traditional IDP, your defensive players uh, gain less points. And so it's not a full team game, which is kind of, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about uh, PFFs all 22 thing uh, at some point on this show. Um, you know, they have a proper value of every single position IDP, the one, two, three scoring kind of tries to do that as well, I believe. Okay. 
Yeah. And then outside of that, you know, like I said, linebackers have a ton of value. Tackles are super valuable. Interceptions are super valuable. Uh, this is something that it, it's a beast. It's very similar to Debbie and C2C in that like it's intimidating to people. And, and there is definitely a barrier of entry where it, I was terrified. The, my first IDP league, I was like, I have no clue. I still don't know how to value players in IDP in terms of like, <laughs> in trades i refuse to make trades in that league because i don't know what i don't know what to do i don't know if i'll get made fun of i shouldn't care about that but like i do i do care if i make a terrible trade and i don't want to lose value so uh it's it's a lot of fun i do suggest that everyone out there does try an idp league because it it brings a whole different perspective to how you watch football because you are now caring about the other side of the ball too so I do know what the IDP one, two, three scoring is. So everybody out there. Oh, yeah. So it's, and this is Jordan. Jordan does an excellent job with this. And he says it's simplified, unified and balanced. And so what it is, it's one point for assisted tackle or quarterback hit. It's two points for solo tackles, tackles for loss, three points for pass defended, forced fumble, fumble recovery, safety, blocked kick, six points for sack interception or touchdown. So I think that's where the balance comes in, especially with like what, what is needed. So if we're focusing on IDP one, two, three, Obviously, sacks interceptions are the are the most valued in that in that format. And in fumble recovery, interception yards include is like 0.10 per yard. So they do get something with that. So that's just the way he has found to be the most balanced uh scoring method for IDP. Yeah, and and my guy, Brother Roz on Twitter, he he had a breakdown that I saw that made a lot of sense to me. Um, he said that essentially your edges are your Travis Kelsey, your elite tight ends, because there aren't that many edges that can get a lot of sacks. And sacks are worth so much in the IDP format that you're really targeting the elite edges. And this this class is a great class for elite edges, that we've got some guys that are going to be coming up at the top of the draft. Whether or not they have the sack number upside is a, might be a, a big question there. But, you know, you're, you're going to want to target those guys to get a couple of those guys. Then your linebackers are more like your running backs, your wide receivers. Wide receivers, there's a lot of wide receivers that can score points. There's a lot of linebackers that can rack up sacks, obviously, or rack up tackles. Obviously, having a really strong linebacker, elite linebacker, or, um, and we'll get kind of, we can kind of touch on this here soon. Um, but a linebacker that's on the field making a lot of tackles is going to be your elite wide receivers, essentially. And so that makes a lot of sense to me. Conceptually, defensive backs are going to want to target towards safeties because corners can be a little bit more boom and bust. Corner gets an interception. Corner gets a pick six. A lot of points. Corner doesn't get the ball thrown in his direction. Jalen Ramsey, not a great player So in IDP format. So it's interesting to me that it's almost there's a counterintuitiveness to IDP because uh, you, you know, you're wanting to target elite players, but you're kind of wanting to get guys that are on bad teams that are going to be on the field a lot, that their offense is going to leave them on the field a lot. So, like, I played IDP last year for my first time. I had Roquan Smith on my team. Roquan Smith was a very nice player to have on my team because the Bears' offense did nothing, left the defense on the field a lot, and Roquan Smith was able to get a lot of points. Uh, so it's it's almost – and then, you know, looking at the draft too, it's almost the opposite of wide receivers because you're wanting the IDP guys to go earlier to bad teams where they're going to be on the field, get a lot of points that, that way, whereas wide receivers, there's almost that balance where you want the wide receivers to fall – a little bit more in round one to get an elite quarterback to be tied with for their careers. And so it's very, it's an intriguing game. It's a lot of fun to learn about. And I think that it definitely adds another layer beyond just having defense. You know, I, as we get into these dynasty leagues, you get into these formats, you kind of 
say goodbye to defensive kickers a little bit in in most of them, but um, IDP is intriguing to me, and there's a lot of great analysts out there that are doing the work. Um, I don't have anything more on what IDP is. Um, <clears throat> so, Kevin, do you have any thoughts on that before we kick into some of these 2022 rookies? No, I think uh, I think you make a good point. I think it, I think that you should try it, especially if you like football in general. I'm going to do the all 22 stuff, which we'll talk about a little bit. But I did, I think like I've tried IDP one league, but it folded, so it really kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Because after a year, everybody kind of quit because they didn't like it, and I, I enjoyed it, but is one of those things where it's not active. And I feel like those are leagues that need to be active too because then you need to have that. So you want to get guys – if you're going to join IDP, I, from a perspective of me joining it, uh, we joined it with basically people that had never done it before. And I thought that was better though because it was still like we're still testing each other out. And it's kind of like Debbie in a way. If you jump in with a, 11 novices and one guy, it ruins the experience because that guy's going to get everybody that he knows and it's going to be kind of one of those things. So it might – me personally, I'd be joining other guys. Yeah, so – uh, we, we were going to talk through some rankings and the, the title of these rankings, uh, because I don't put IDP rankings together uh, until post-draft. And I do find that, you know, I did IDP rankings last year, but a, a player I was kind of lower on was Pete Werner um, compared to consensus. And then he goes to the Saints and walks right into a system where he's going to be utilized to his fullest potential. And that's exactly what he did. He racked up a lot of tackles. That was a guy that I needed the landing spot to really know how I valued him. So the the title of these rankings that we're going to talk about is Christian's IDP rookie rankings unofficially off the top of his head, 24 minutes before the show. Um, so take these with a grain of salt, you know, these can move around, but these are kind of the guys that I would be looking at if I were doing a, an IDP startup or in my IDP rookie drafts this year. Uh, first player I have now, I know a lot of people still have Devin Lloyd, as their uh, their one, and he's traditionally the the player one in IDP rankings. But I have Nakobe Dean still. Uh, I I'm still riding the Nakobe Dean train. I think that even if he slips out of the first round, which I think is a possibility at this point because teams are concerned about his size, I think he's going to be a productive player. Uh, he plays bigger than his actual size. He's able to shed blocks really well, and he's a tackling machine. A lot of you know, on the cut last night, we got to talking about that Georgia defense and what the players around everyone else, you know, like was N'Kobe Dean really good because Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, and all those other guys, Jalen Carter, who's in next year's draft, was he good because they were kind of just able to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback and then the linebacker scooped it up? Maybe, but I don't think so, you know, so I'm I'm still in on N'Kobe Dean. We've talked about him a little bit, but Jeff, what are your, your thoughts on N'Kobe? instinctually you know he, he's got it and i do think that there's a fair question because those georgia guys especially like you got jordan davis out there and he's they're eating up so much attention and so much blockers that they're keeping him clean and so whether or not dean is going to be the level of athlete to be able to get off blocks stay clean at the nfl level and use those instincts that's going to be the open question and we took we talked about him i, I don't maybe two weeks ago or so we did our um, first round mock draft and I don't know that defenses are changing in the NFL and, and a lot more teams are going towards a base nickel where you're looking for um, your, you know, your typical run thumping middle linebackers kind of 
disappeared out of the league a little bit. And so Dean, there's kind of an open question on, does he, is he a, you know, like a will in that format? Um, is he a Mike linebacker in that format? Really? What's his position? And I think that that's, those questions are coming in and that's why he's sliding down on the board a little bit in the draft and in, in mock draft exercises, because his size raises real questions. He's a five foot three guy. He's not going to be the big guy in the middle of the field. That's blocking up zones in the middle of the field and eliminating those passing lanes. And so it's a, uh, you know, in, I love him instinctually if he can translate to the NFL level and if he finds a great role, and certainly he's going to have a lot of value. And, and shout out to my guy, Joey IDP. I, I was looking up through some of his stuff on his rankings, and he talked about how uh, Dean had a – he only gave up – he had like a 30.7 quarterback rating against when targeted. That's insane. I mean, he can do that. So if we're talking about the way defenses are going, and if we're looking at the IDP scoring, interceptions, like those type of things matter, I think, for those of the linebacker position. It's the volume, right? I don't I don't think it changes fantasy perspective. If you have volume, you're the king, right? Running back yeah. volume. And I think if he gets on the field – where is he going to go? And I think that's the question mark. I think the draft really going to tell you a lot about where he goes if he can see, if he can get on the field in the depth chart. Well, and and I think that's the thing that you're you're always, especially with IDP, you have that in the back of your mind. It's is this guy going to be able to stay on the field? In you know, it, we talk about base defense. Well, we don't, but we should talk more about base defense because defense is part of football. But uh, base defense in the NFL right now is nickel. And so you're looking at a lot of two linebacker sets and that really limits how many linebackers are on the field, you know, uh, and for how many snaps. And so a guy like Dean, I think he can cover pretty well. You know, he didn't have to show it a whole lot. You know, the sample size there was a little lower because he was more of that uh, Mike. He, he was always involved in the run game, but I, I love him. And then, you know, we, I just talked about Devin Lloyd with that too. So we can just couple that in those would be my top two players in this uh, rookie class for IDP. Uh, Lloyd is absolutely able to cover uh, where I, I worry about Lloyd is actually, uh, is he going to hold up uh, and be able to get the early down snaps? Uh, I just talked about how it's typically base nickel. That is true. Um, but I also don't, I personally don't project Devin Lloyd to being a Mike linebacker at the NFL level. I think he, He'd be best in a, a Will or even a Sam linebacker role. Uh, and you can kind of use him as a little bit of a chess piece. But I think that's valuable too. Uh, we talked about Roquan Smith. I think uh, equal, he, not as good, but Matt Milano for the Bills. I think he's a valuable player because he he covers and he gets interceptions and he deflects passes and he also gets tackles out in the flat. So uh, <clears throat> that's kind of the role I could see for Devin Lloyd. And I, I still like him. And I like overall, I'm going to rank linebackers ahead of edge rushers, even if this is an elite edge class. I was going to ask about that because, you know, we, we talk about this being an elite edge class. Is that because you see these, while these edges are elite, do they just kind of stand as lower sack total guys in your mind? And is that why they're lower or is it your natural inclination to just go with linebackers that have a higher maybe a, a safer floor might be the question there um, or just more production production there yeah so it's the safer floor thing for me uh because i've been burnt pretty badly uh in in my first idp league I, I i went edge heavy and i felt as though that was a smart strategy because i had value falling to me 
But what you find out is you can only play two to three defensive linemen. And if that guy, if all three of those guys or both of those guys have bad games, your lineup is kind of in trouble. Whereas if I go out and get a linebacker that I think can rack up eight to 10 tackles in a game pretty consistently, I feel better about that. And then you couple that with, you know, sacks are super valuable for edge rushers, uh, but you have to kind of multiply the the point total out. And even if they're a 10 sack guy, that's 60 points, you know, um, yeah. now there could be fumbles forced, but uh, you know, 60 points. And then you think about how many solo tackles some of these linebackers will get. And I just automatically will put the linebackers ahead. Um, when we get to the edge rushers though, there is something that, you know, edge rushers do also get tackles. Uh, and I debated flipping uh, one of my edge rankings because of that, because you're looking at high motor guys that are going to get those cleanup plays. Uh, to me, that screams Aiden Hutchinson as edge one in this class. Uh, but I am a coward and I still keep Thibodeau there because I have Thibodeau as my edge one in real life. So, all right. Uh, so I actually have another linebacker ahead of Thibodeau though. Uh, Leo Chanel is a guy that in most rankings, he's really far down. And I don't think that people have caught up to what the NFL is going to view Leo Chanel as. And I think he's a top 50 player uh, he played for Wisconsin and they didn't use him in, to his fullest potential. Uh, this is one of the best blitzing and, and run-stuffing linebackers I can recall uh, over the last two to three years. But incredible athlete, very fluid, pretty good hips, and I think he can cover. He's going to be one of those guys that surprises you when he's out there covering tight ends. Uh, so I would actually take him ahead of Kayvon, who would be next on the list. It's funny that you talk about Leo Chanel because I've been looking him up a little bit because I'm wondering if the I don't know if the Cowboys are in, in play. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And they talk about him being like an outstanding run defender. I, I see that a lot. Like, and if in this format, right? I think I'm just you know I'm not an expert at anything, but if they put him in that area, then you're looking at a guy that should be high up there on your rankings. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it it does seem to me that we've seen you've seen transition in the linebacker position because you, I go back 10, 15 years ago, and and most teams are either that classic three four, and you've got two edges and and two middle linebackers, and one of those guys is kind of almost a modified. I always think of Levon Kirkland, and that day ages me, but like that guy that's like that linebacker that's almost like two seventy five, that is almost an extra nose tackle more or less playing in the middle of the defense but then you kind of or you have the four three where you've got the thumper middle linebacker there to stop the run you've got the lighter will linebacker you've got the the sam linebacker that can kind of serve as an extra edge or, or do those different jobs but it does seem to me that as you go as what we've seen that transition to base nickel you you're really wanting and the bills obviously behind me in my mind all the time they're the team that stands out in my mind you're really looking for two linebackers that stay on the field in every every possible scenario you want that that mike but that mike has transitioned from less of the run run thumper to Tremont Edmonds being that big guy that can cover like those areas in the passing game and you're really building and gearing towards stopping the passing game right now. And you want that lighter linebacker that can move around the field can, can cover. And you know, you're using, you're trying to get pressure with four. Sometimes you'll blitz, but you're really trying to get pressure with four in the game. And, and you, know, if you can't get pressure with four, you've got to send another guy because pressure's so important. You can't get pressure with five. You got to send six. It is what it is. But at the same time, you're looking for more, 
linebacker versatility that can stay on the field and, and serve all those roles as opposed to just treating the linebackers almost as an extra position on your defense that you're just going to cycle through situationally. Yeah. So, and, and a point that I kind of thought of when you were in the middle of that there. So teams, so even if your base is four, three or, or even three, four, there are teams that will just say, you know what? No, we're just going to stay in nickel. I think the bills do this a lot where they just stay in nickel. Bills only run nickel. Exactly. And so what they're doing is they're saying, okay, well then my defensive backs are going to cover my tight ends. You know, if a team goes 12 personnel, sure. We might bring an extra linebacker on the field, but we also feel pretty good about our DBs lining up against most tight ends. Uh, and that's kind of how they're building out DBs. The way the tight end position has changed in the NFL and how it's continuing to change, it's going to lend itself to that. And so I think the value of linebackers, we're hyping it right now. I'm hyping it right now. I think it will change in IDP in the next couple of years. I think, you know, you're going to look at safeties and, and defensive backs in general being hyped up. I had Trayvon Diggs on my team last year. Uh, and I played him all the wrong weeks, of course, but like he scored a ton of points uh, in most formats for IDP. So uh, I think you might look at guys like that getting hyped up a little bit as well. Um, and speaking of that, and so I said Kayvon's my next player, kind of self-explanatory, very good prospect, should go number one overall. Uh, I project him to be a high sack guy at the NFL level, eight to 10 sacks a year, maybe more. Uh, depending on if he hits his ceiling. But the, the guy I wanted to talk about is actually Kyle Hamilton. We talk about a guy that doesn't come off the field. Some safeties do in, in certain scenarios. Kyle Hamilton is not going to be one of those safeties. Kyle Hamilton is going to be playing in the box. He's going to get a lot of tackles that way. He's going to get a lot of uh, pass breakups because he's going to be all over the field. He can cover uh, sideline to sideline. Sure, he's not as fast as everyone thought based on his 40, that doesn't matter when you play with that level of instinct. Uh, and so I would have Kyle Hamilton in my top five for this rookie class simply because I think, and and I have also been bitten by overhyping safeties, but on the other side of things, I drafted Trayvon Merrick everywhere last year, and he was a very, very valuable rookie safety. So I look at what Kyle Hamilton is and I say, well, he can replicate that pretty easily. And I feel pretty good about his projection for the next few years, especially in Dynasty IDP. Yeah, and that's a position, too, that's changed because it used to be that you you essentially want your high safety and your low safety. You want your um, box safety, your Bob Sanders to, to bring it back. That's going to be just shooting up there as, as part of the run game. And then the center fielder that's covering everything. And really what, and again, the Bills do a great job of this because the Bills are a smart, smart organization. You really want safeties that you can disguise coverage with, coverages with, that you can play high, that you can play low. And Kyle Hamilton is the perfect example of that, a guy that can be your center fielder in one play and also come up and, and almost serve as an extra linebacker given his size. And I I love the safety position. You know, Sean Taylor was one of my all-time favorite players, and I just think that they're – they I just love the chess game of football and I think safeties are such a big part of it and it drives me batty that they aren't valued at the NFL level like I think bad poorly run organizations don't value them at the NFL level and and Kyle Hamilton yeah he didn't run as fast as you what you wanted to see but that is just a package that doesn't come along very often that a guy that 
is that instinctual, that big, that still having that athleticism. And, you know, I go back like Sean Taylor is like one of my all time favorite football players. And there's shades of that in Kyle Hamilton's game, I think. He could be like Derwin James, right? Well, how, yeah. well I don't know what Derwin James is like his fantasy is like his IDP I, stuff. Is it? I think very that, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that James is a little bit better athlete than Hamilton. And I don't really, I think Jordan James, I don't, it makes no sense to why he was drafted where he was drafted. And people even said it at the time, but that was just an example of poorly run teams make poor decisions. Yeah. Also worth noting. uh, So there will be, a time where we start to see more safeties being drafted in round one because of all the things that you can do with a safety that can play single high, that can play in two deep shells, that can play cover three effectively and cover six. And there will be a a revolution of the safety position, I think, coming in the next 10 years. Uh, I think Kyle Hamilton is going to start that, but next year's safety group is pretty good too. Uh, we'll talk about Jalen Catalone on this this episode next year, I'm sure. So he's you one tell of me oh. the Cowboys are going to draft for safety at some point, right? Like at ever in the I last hope, twenty I years. I hope so. But but it's it's the it's the way football moves down, way football moves up um, between levels. Between you know we see it with the wide receivers and the spread, and and how it used to be in high school football. You would just give your best, you would just make your best athlete the running back. You'd give him the ball, you hand him the ball the most possible. And now the spread, the spread really kind of started in high school football. It, I mean, it started in college football, but then it kind of high school football adopted it certainly before the NFL did, but we've seen that now where the guys that used to be, uh, would have been the running back. Now they are, they're playing wide receiver from a very young age. And I think that you're going to see the same thing with safety where it used to be, you know, like that high, low safety, we would only have this guy do this one job and we don't only worry about that. But as the high school levels are trying to figure out ways to match against this, spread the spread option all these different variations in in spread defense that you're going to have to use you're going to see these safeties develop these skills at earlier ages and then carry that up to the nfl level and flow through that defense at the nfl level yeah it's a worthy conversation to have so everyone i someone i don't remember who it was someone kind of explained offense versus defense as a mirror. Uh, so your offensive line, defensive line, they mirror each other uh, with obviously your tackles going against the guards and the edges going against the tackles. The uh, corners are obviously mirroring the wide receivers. The uh, linebackers are kind of running back tight end and your safeties are kind of the quarterback of the defense. They can dictate the outcome of games. If you have a guy like Kyle Hamilton, you're pretty well off uh, and and we're going to see that more and more, and that's exciting, which is why. So I'm just going to run through the rest of the things that I wrote down here uh, and then just talk about my favorite because we're kind of running out of time here. So uh, next I would have Aiden Hutchinson, high motor guy. I think, um, you know, like I said, I could have flipped him in Thibodeau because of that because I think he's going to snag more tackles and that's going to be more valuable. Uh, and I think he'll be a nice sack total guy too. Trayvon Walker, I put him here, um, you know, not to stray too far from consensus. I probably wouldn't rank him here. Uh, I think that he is only a tackle guy, and he's not going to offer you that that much in terms of sacks. Uh, George Karloftis, 
I still think he's good, despite you know popular belief that he is not. Uh, Lewis Seen, Daxton Hill, Jermaine Johnson, Channing Tindall, Quay Walker, Chad Muma. Chad, Chad Muma is probably going to be a top 50 pick. I think Quay Walker is probably going to be a top 50 pick. And I think Channing Tindall, I, the unfortunate part about his game is that he was not able to find the field because he was behind Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, Trayvon Walker at times, and that entire Georgia defense. He didn't log a single start for Georgia, and I still have him as the better linebacker. Uh, I would rank it Dean, then Tindall, then Quay. Uh, Tindall is one of the most explosive dudes. His closing speed is absolutely ridiculous. And that's something that I think teams are looking for. They're looking for speed in their linebacker room. You look at the Patriots and why they just could not keep up with some teams this year. It's because their linebackers were kind of just old, big, and slow. Uh, I think teams are going to look for guys like Tyndall, and I think he could get drafted a little higher and be one of those guys. He's not great in coverage, but he can be one of those guys that racks up a ton of tackles because he's a freaking bullet all over the field. Uh Lewis Seen, uh, also a guy that he is rising up draft boards very, very quickly. I think he's going to be a top 20 pick when all is said and done. Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. I, I know you would probably like him on your Cowboys. That would, that would, yes. I, I'm going to keep mocking him to the Eagles because it makes too much sense. <laughs> oh, that would just hurt every soul of my – oh, God. <laughs> yeah, That's awful. That is I terrible know. to think about. I know, but so Lewis seems a guy that I think is going to rack up a ton of tackles because he is a hard hitter. Uh, he knocked Brian Robinson back uh, from – he came from across the field. The, the, I think the clip went viral today, so go check that out on Twitter. Um, but also, he's good in coverage. I think he's going to be effective in, in shutting down uh, tight ends when he's matched up in man coverage. I think he's a really good zone defender. Uh, There's a guy that I think is going to be productive for – IDP. And then Daxton Hill, I want to give him a shout out because he is unique. Um, I thought about bumping him down because of his uniqueness, because I think he's going to be lined up in man coverage far too much to be a super good IDP asset. Meaning that if he's good in coverage, he's not getting targeted. We talked about that kind of at the top of the show. And so he's good in coverage. I think he will remain good in coverage and if they use him as just like a slot corner most of the time, I think you're looking at kind of sunken cost immediately. Um, and so that's a guy I would probably move down if I did these, you know, 26 minutes before the show. Um, and I think that's about it. Chad Muma, I wanted to talk about. I think he's versatile and that he can cover and he's good in the run. Uh, I, I don't think he sheds blocks as well as the, the top two to three. And so I think that teams will value him a little less. Quay Walker's getting some first round buzz. Christian Harris from Alabama. I didn't write him on here because I don't think he's very good. I, I think he's a third round talent. Uh, but if he gets draft capital and goes to a situation where he's going to play all the time, I think you have to put him somewhere in this list. So do you guys to, have any thoughts? Yeah, I wanted to circle back on Daxon Hill because it, it used to be forever. Your nickel corner was essentially just a guy that he couldn't be an outside corner. And it was almost an afterthought position. But I think that Daxon Hill, uh, he 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 doesn't not single-handedly elevating the position. The position's out already elevated but he's a primary example of how that position has changed how it has become 
a guy that doesn't come off the field for many defenses, a guy that can essentially be your third safety, but also be your third nickel and kind of also be your third linebacker. And I think that Hill has that potential to play all those positions. And, and it just underlines on what used to be your nickel back was just the guy that couldn't be your outside corner. And now yeah. how much that position has changed dramatically. Yeah, no. I, I think Jermaine Johnson, I love that kid. Like, I, I love Jermaine. I think that uh, if he can get a spot where he can go get sacks, and I think that he can, I think he's a really good edge rusher. And I think that if you can go there, um, those are the guys that kind of stand out to me. I've heard Chad Muma, though. I've seen that name a ton, and IDP guys tend to like him. So if he can go to the top 50, then we're all aboard, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted oh, yeah. to I wanted to shout out um, Roto Heat Craig. It does fantastic IDP. He's one of our most loyal listeners and a good friend. Um, Clinton Holmgren is fantastic at Clinton Holmgren. He reached out to me and to help me when I was kind of threw it out there to ask for a little bit of help. And then Joey the Tooth as well. Joey the Tooth IDP. He reached out to me as well to help out. And there's Jordan Reigns is fantastic. It's so smart and is a leader in this space. Jorge Edwards and Fantasy and Frames is doing a lot in this space. And I played in their league last year, the Charity League. There are so many smart, bright minds in the IDP game that, um, you know, let's elevate this a little bit. And let's, instead of defense being just an afterthought and, and I'm just going to take whatever defense and, and fill that role and I'm not going to think about it and I'm just going to hope they score a touchdown whatever week, um, let, you know, maybe give IDP a shot. And and I think that, that we can grow and, and learn more about the game. And the reality of it is you probably, if you're somebody that follows football closely, you know a lot of the guys are that are good at IDP anyways. And, and so it's, while it does seem like a, a big obstacle to step over as a completely different game mode, I think once you dip your toe in there and, and you really kind of put your foot in there, you realize, well, I already know these guys from watching football, and, and I think that there, there can be a lot of growth in this game. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, that was our IDP uh, micro niche uh, segment. We appreciate you guys tuning in there. Let's go to the sports book rundown. Let's uh, let's have some fun here. Uh, we, me and Christian did not do very well in the last sports book. No, no. So where I made the mistake is uh, I picked Rory and I, you know, looking back, pretty good pick. Uh, but we, he was in the group with uh, Scotty, good old Scotty. And so Jeff took the cake. Uh, his total score, we did uh, the Masters last week, and Jeff, uh, he golfed a, a minus eight. I was plus 16. Kevin was plus 12. So Jeff has the chip. You guys really got – you guys both had two guys that missed the cut, and I only had one guy that missed the cut. And I, for missing the cut, I just used whatever the highest score was that um, made the cut. And so – and I had Scotty Scheffler too, so I had the guy that won. So um, it was only fitting that I, I won, so – this is true. Also, this would be like real golf scores too, probably. So not very good at it, um, but still have fun. Uh, this week we're picking random games. Uh, so a bunch of different random things. Uh, and the first one is the Los Angeles Clippers versus the Minnesota Timberwolves on right now. I didn't look at the score though. I promise I did. Kevin, who you picking? I don't know who's good. I'm going to go T-Wolves. I haven't watched this in a while. Okay. All right. I don't know. And I, man, I miss the old Jeff that used to know things about the NBA. Um, but you know, life takes over. Um, so I'm going to go with the Clippers. So I actually know a little bit about these two teams. Uh, Clippers. Um, they, they've, 
they lost, I think, Paul George for a majority of their season and still made the play-in. So I feel as though they have heart, you know? I think uh, I think Shane Falco would really like them. So uh, next game, Hornets against the Hawks. The winner of this will play the Cleveland Cavaliers after they stunk it up against the Nets. Uh, Kevin, who are you taking? I'm going to go the Hawks. I am also going to take the Hawks. I think the Hornets are really fun to watch. Uh, so I'm going to take them. I hope they win so that the Cavs can also win. I worry about the, the Hawks winning. So how does the, uh, the plan work? Like I'm so, so seven, eight play and the winner gets an automatic burst. Okay. Uh, nine, 10 play loser is out. Okay. The loser yeah. of seven, eight will then play the winner of nine, 10 for the eight seed. Oh, it's so Cleveland lost tonight. Brooklyn's in, huh? That sucks. Yeah, Brooklyn's they, in, but then Cleveland is still can get in. Yeah. Yes, they have one shot. It's Friday. They're probably going to lose and break my heart after they were the three seed like it in January. So fantastic. Uh, next one, Spurs versus the Pelicans. Kevin. I, I'll take the Spurs. Give okay. me the Pelicans. Is Zion easy? Zion's career done? Is he just <laughs> he's he's doing like full court work now? Um, so next year probably because they're gonna lose. I'm taking this. So oh, is he like basically Joel Embiid like used to be where it was like if he's ever healthy he's really good but he's never gonna be healthy but then now Joel Embiid is healthy. Yes, pretty much I think, <laughs> but Zion has to get to that point I think. Um, see, you okay. can learn about IDP, you can learn about the NBA. We offer a little bit of everything on this Debbie show. This is true, also Debbie. Um, sometimes, uh, next one and 40 times. So, Drake London, 40 times. The over under is set at four five five by that's who just Jeff? Over, by Jeff. That's what I don't figure. <laughs> I don't know what a good t- number was, and I couldn't find anything. So, if you want to narrow that down a little bit to give me a more realistic range, that might be good, but. I, I like four five five. You yeah, know, I think yeah, that's not a bad. I, I I like that. Kevin, over or under? I'm gonna go under, slightly under. Okay. I'm gonna now go it's, under as well. So you so you, what do you think he runs? I, I want the prediction too. I, I think it's like four five zero is close. Okay. Jeff. Um I think four five two. Did you just price this right me? Is that what just happened right there? Well, I don't know uh, yet. I, Christian gets to go last. So Christian could four, five, three me and have a big, pretty big range. I'm going to go over. Um, I think he's faster, but th- he has a hamstring tweak, which I think is I'm out of shape still. So I needed to push this back. And so I think him being out of shape is what's going to put him over. And I'm going to say four, five, seven is what he runs, which is fine. That's a good time. Uh, and lastly, we're picking uh, Champions League, Europa League, yeah. something, soccer. Champions League. Uh, okay, sweet. I'm in the know. Uh, Atletico Madrid versus Man City. Kevin, who you taking? Yeah, I'll just take uh, Madrid. Okay. Give me Man City. Yeah, I. Man City is really good. I'm, I'm going to take Man City. I watched a soccer match this week. So I'm sorry. Yeah. 
I like it. All right, that'll do it. We only have five things we're picking this week, but all right, let's go. Uh, let's go to prospect poker. So we're gonna play poker uh, on the screen, and as you guys listen, we're gonna do a little IDP again. We're gonna kind of talk about our favorite and sleeper IDP IDP players uh, for this class. So uh, Christian, why don't you go ahead and give us your favorite? Yeah, my favorite's a guy that we actually already talked about in Leo Chanel. Uh, just a guy that does everything really, really well, and uh, people haven't really caught on to it. And I think that he is going to be a, a force of nature at the NFL level. I think he's got the physicality to win uh, in, in various levels of the field. So uh, give me Leo. All right, so we started off with a king of spades, a seven of clubs, and a king of diamonds, and Christian has a four of hearts. So my guy, Nick, Nicobe Dean, I want Nicobe Dean, the number one pick. I was the first one to put my guy down, so I just grabbed Dean. I just I just think he's a fun player, and I really hope that he's able to translate to the NFL level. Uh, I just love the instincts on him, and um, so I'll go with him as my choice. And I have, ooh, a seven of spades. I'm sitting on a pair of kings and a pair of sevens. Fantastic. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, my favorite player in this in this area is just Kyle Hamilton, because I do think that when you're looking at him, what he can do is a unicorn, like we kind of mentioned. But um, as far as IDP goes, like, you know what? I think he's a favorite because I think, like we said, we're going to be able to use him in a lot of different ways. I think he's a hybrid guy. And I think that he's going to be able to get points for you in different ways, interceptions, tackles, even some sacks that bring him up closer. I think he can do that well. And I, and I think that in this format, I think he's a guy that'd be going after pretty high. Oh, a Jack of spades. I saw the face card. All right, let's talk about sleepers. Yeah. So my sleeper, another guy that we already talked about, which I feel kind of bad doing that. So I'll talk about more of those players at a later date, but Channing Tindall is my favorite. He is a freaking bullet around the field. He is one of, he has, he has Michael Parsons level closing speed. Yes, he does. I promise this, this is a true statement. Uh, the problem is the other stuff. He's not Michael Parsons. He's not really close, but he is still fun to watch. And I think that he's going to find a role at the NFL level. All right. Christian has a three of hearts. <laughs> So my guy, Troy Anderson, a linebacker out of Wyoming and Troy Anderson's a weird dude. Troy Anderson played a little bit of quarterback, played a little bit of running back plus played all over the place, but he's a very athletic linebacker. And I just think it's, it's a fun story. I think that he will be the instincts of having played both sides of the ball. I think he's got a path to make a roster via special teams. And if he can develop, as use that athleticism to be one of those linebackers that we talk about that doesn't come off the field. Um, uh, maybe after a later date, I might see what Christian thinks about Troy Anderson because Tr Christian knows a lot more about these players than I do. But in my five minutes that I had of studying deep guys, he just stood out to me as an interesting player. And I've got a five of hearts. Yeah, so uh, my, my guy's going to be Andrew Booth Jr. And the reason why I say this is I love Andrew Booth. I think we all do as a show. Like, we don't understand kind of what he's doing. I know corners are kind of one of those things for IDP. But I do think that he has that ability to get interceptions. Like, the five picks that he did have in college, I know he was kind of hit or miss in terms of games, and they didn't really test him. They were excellent, excellent picks and showed his athleticism. And in, and in this format, I feel like it's boom or bust. But if it could be like a dig situation where they try to test him early because he's a rookie, he's out there, and he can kind of make some quarterbacks play. So I'm going to go with Booth because I think he's going to get drafted higher than people think. And I think he's a good, I think he's a good corner. Ooh, a four of heart, four of diamonds. That means Jeff wins. Jeff wins. But we can so still play a little bit of blackjack. 
So our final game, Blackjack, the way we play Blackjack, we play it with trivia. We answer questions after we hit. And so let's see here. We got Christian starts us off with a, a 12. Kevin has a 18. And Jeff has a 11. 11's a good score to have. So, all right. So I'm low, man. Does anybody have a, a question for me? Yes. So I'm doing some research for the 2023 guys. So uh, what recruiting class was Hendon Hooker a part of? (laughs) Hendon Hooker was a part of the, so I know that he is going to be, I think he's 25 already and Mary's going to be 26 next year. So I'll put him back as part of the, is that the 17 recruiting class? Yes. Yeah, 2017. Boom. That's crazy. All it's right. insane. He's the same recruiting class as like Najee and all those guys. Yeah, <laughs> I got a 20. Yeah, you, uh, you won again, I'm sure. Does anyone have a question for me? How many years did Brian Robinson spend in college? Five. Five. All right, you got a 19, 20 19. as well. Oh, 20, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I don't have another. Question. We should have had Kevin ask questions. Um, <laughs> I have a question for myself. I can just uh, can sure, answer. Kevin, answer. Ask yourself a question. <laughs> the Why am I on this show? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, now you you can skip me. We'll just go to one. I have a question for one of you guys. So you guys can just skip me because I lost right. anyway. Okay. All right. Well, Jeff's next. Sure. All right. Me a question. Jeff, who led the who led the NFL in tackles in 2021? Who led the NFL in tackles in 2021? Um 192. That dude from Atlanta that I can't think of his name. <laughs> you need a name. You can't just say that dude. I don't know his name. Uh, um I'm gonna I'm mess up. Smith, uh, but it's, it's I think it's that linebacker from Atlanta. Yeah, for say uh, I'm gonna how do you Atlanta, say his last that, name? Christian, I don't know, who you know how to say his last name. Olukun, no. uh, I don't know. Yeah, Olukun. Yeah, Olukun. Yes, but it's it's that guy, right? Yes, it is that guy. So you got to have yes. right. And oh. I would have, I would have won. But yeah, I won anyways. But yeah, yeah you won. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Jeff's Jeff's corner. Yeah. So so there's a lot of talk about. Um, <laughs> are you a film based analyst or are you an analytics based analyst or whatever else? I'm going to tell you it doesn't really matter as long as you've got a sound process and you can figure out the way that you you can decide who's going to be good for fantasy football. Whatever you decide, if you've got a sound basis and you apply that all across the board, the more important thing is being able to communicate that. And and I think that people don't realize that. Um, I am not my intended target audience. And and now certainly I like to learn and I want to be learning when I create content, because if I'm learning, then I assume somebody else is going to be learning, but you're talking to the guy in the back row. You're, you're not talking to, um, you know, especially in when you're operating in a smaller niche, we say, but um, you know, we're all kind of a niche community, but when you're operating in a smaller community, you, you don't want to narrow that down even, even more. And so, um, enjoy you know use your basis that you enjoy and and create content like that but you know really speak to everybody don't just speak to one person or if you do do that then don't get upset because you don't have a big audience 
Wise words from Jeffrey Jeffrey Bell. All right. Uh, next week, we are back on our, uh, April 19th. It is our one-year anniversary. We have been together for one year. Every Tuesday night, we've come here. So that's an interesting uh, little tidbit there. We'll be back at 930 Eastern. Until then, I'm Kevin Coleman at the boys underscore 22. I'm Jeff Bell at For Whom J. Bell Tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C. Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale.